Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Friday, November 25th. For today's podcast, two newly elected members of Congress. Now, they're both from New York City, but their stories and the positions they represent are emblematic of ways the new Congress may get off the ground in general. One word of context, Democrats lost five seats in Congress from New York State this year. Almost the entire transfer of power happened there. We'll ask both guests why. Congressman-elect Santos joins us first. He worked previously in the finance sector at a capital, as a capital markets specialist, and I think we'll confirm this with him. He'll be the only gay Republican in Congress. This third congressional district is the one that Tom Suozzi used to represent before he left to run for governor, though the district lines were changed a little, but it was still a district that Joe Biden won by nine points in 2020. The race between Santos and Democrat Robert Zimmerman was considered a toss-up by the pros, partly for that reason, but Santos won by eight points. So, Congressman-elect, thanks for a few minutes today. Welcome back to WNYC, and congratulations. Oh, thank you very much, Brian, for having me. How does it feel being called Congressman-elect? Well, you know what? It's it's a labor of four years of hard work and uh, determination to to bring the specific... uh, type of representation to Washington, D.C., and, and it was the labor of a community. It took a village and, and a lot of people to work hard for it, so it feels great, actually, and it's very humbling uh, to have this awesome responsibility and honor. You know, I think the media gets something wrong frequently since Election Day. They sometimes call Nicole Maliotakis New York City's only Republican in Congress, But your district includes parts of Northeast Queens. I recently told someone I know from that part of Queens that they now have a Republican congressman, and they were shocked because it's been a long time. So why do you think you won in a district that went for Biden by nine points? Well, look, I I, I ran a campaign, unlike my opponent who spent the entire campaign um, talking about me, slandering me. I, I spent my entire campaign talking directly to the public, directly about issues. I mean, look, Jill Biden came into this race. Hillary Clinton came into to my race. They all helped my opponent. Meanwhile, I was seeking out the support and endorsement of the people, of law enforcement, of, of the rank and file, uh, you know, the, the real people who actually vote for you. Um, I didn't make this about big celebrity names. I didn't seek any big national endorsements. I received some endorsements from, from my colleagues in Congress and in leadership. But outside from that, I didn't go seeking out former presidential endorsements or big senatorial endorsements. You know, it, it was really about sticking to the message. What we're experiencing in our country today, record inflation, crime is out of control in our part of the state, in our part of the country, the cost of energy as put out by both PSEG Long Island and National Grid, you know, a 64% increase. So these are real issues that keep people up at night. And I just kept my entire campaign about talking to the people because I wanted to talk about things that I too was experiencing as an American citizen. So I wanted to make sure that the entire campaign was about them. And I guess the people resonated with it and they saw at the end that I had their interests in mind. And I'm not a self-serving individual who wants to just promote myself. Your, your various identities as a gay son of Latino and Jewish migrants and a CUNY grad 
would often land people in the Democratic Party. Why did you wind up as a Republican, and what defines your conservative or Republican values? You know, I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm a moderate, uh, socially moderate. Uh, obviously, I'm a gay married man. So, uh, um, but I do believe in fiscal conservative values, and I do believe that we have a obligation to leave a better country for the next generation. And I don't think that the Democrat Party is representative of that. Unfortunately, they might be very good on social issues, but I don't think it's sustainable to keep the country going forward um, on on the cases they're going. And even even when you're talking on social issues, uh, I'm not going to even say that anybody's good or bad. I just think everything in moderation uh, needs to be taken. So whenever you're pushing extremism, either on the left or on the right, we're failing. So I think that we need to lead from common sense. And uh, common sense resonates with me. I've always been a registered Republican. And the one thing that I'm proud of is that I can prove that there is diversity of thought in this country left. Just because you're gay does not mean you have to be a Democrat. And I'm very proud to be able to represent people who think much like me and have a similar lifestyle. And it's also good to show to people that other than popular belief and what the mainstream media likes to put out there that there's no place for gay people in the Republican Party, that's not true. I've never suffered any kind of discrimination or negative rhetoric from my party. Uh, matter of fact, I've always been resoundingly well welcomed and well represented in the party. Um, and, and I think it's, again, it's an honor of a lifetime to be able to represent the people in Congress. And I look very much forward to doing that and just to bringing over that common sense voice, uh, you know, transparency, accountability. These are things that Americans are looking for now. They want people held accountable. They want transparency. They want people and they want accountability from Congress on top of good governance. And we need to deliver good governance in this next Congress and deliver an agenda that's going to be good for the people. So just as a follow up on what you were saying about identity and moderation, after the Colorado Springs gay bar massacre this weekend, if it turns out to be a hate crime, you know that many LGBTQ Americans will place part of the blame on Republican rhetoric, like accusing educators of grooming kids if they're given a chance to discuss their gay parents and things like that. Do you perceive some of your fellow elected Republicans as pandering to anti-LGBTQ hate? Uh, I, I Look... I don't speak for individual for for people's own individual actions. All I can say is that we shouldn't be divided on what happened in Colorado. This shouldn't be a discussion of right or left or or Republican or Democrat. This is a discussion of right or wrong, and what happened there was wrong. Any kind of hate crime is unacceptable, whether it's to the African-American community, the Asian-American community, gays and lesbian community. This is an issue of hate. We have no place for hate in our country, and we need to weed out hate out of our country. And we can say, regrettably so, that there is hate on both sides of the political spectrum. And that, that's in, that we cannot tolerate that. I want to go to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to Washington, D.C., to make sure that we end this hate, hateful, divisive rhetoric that's taking place in, in Congress, we need to lead by example out of Washington, and we need to show the American people that that there is no hate between our parties. We have a we we have a difference of opinions on how we should govern, but we're not mortal enemies, Republicans and Democrats. We're both right. them, we're all American citizens, and that who goes want the best to the to the polarization in the country generally. But on just on this specific issue, would you say that some of your fellow elected Republicans? are pandering to anti-LGBTQ hate 
much more than Democrats and want to call them out specifically for that. Oh, I mean, would you say this? Would you ask the same question to the Democrats regarding anti-Semitism and members of Congress that are uh, openly anti-Semitic? I mean, I'm not going to. Well, that's that's my point. So the question at point is, I don't know and I can't speak for other people's actions or behaviors. I can speak for my own. And I can I condemn what happened in Colorado, just much like Pulse uh, at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando in 2016, which I happened to at the time have people that worked for me in the club. We, my company at the time, we lost four employees that were that were at Pulse nightclub. So this is a deja vu moment for me. Not a not something that that is really good even uh, going over because it just brings back such tragic memories and. And like I said, I just want to weed out the hate out of our country and our society. There is no place for hate in the United States of America. And moving on from that, what kinds of policy priorities do you expect to focus on now that you've been elected to Congress? And I'm curious, maybe the listeners in the district would like to know what committees would you ideally like to join? Well, look, I have my I have my own uh, focus going into Congress. And policy-wise, I think we need to to go back into um, uh, being a, a, you know, closer to energy independent nation where we can produce more uh, natural resources here in our country to, to lower the burden on the American people. I'm looking for, for committee assignments such as financial services based on my background and expertise where I can really help end loopholes and, uh, and, and, and uh, reduce regulations to allow ingenuity and, and, and obviously growth in our society so that we can stimulate growth and create more jobs that would help the economy a great deal today but on top of that i also want to go there to hold big uh, uh companies and, and and monopolies such as ftx accountable to make sure that another ftx doesn't happen republican george santos newly elected from northeast queens and mostly northern parts of nassau county the third congressional district congratulations one more time good luck in congress we hope to keep the dialogue going throughout the two years thank you brian have a great one and we move from newly elected republican george santos to newly elected democrat dan goldman for a few minutes as well newly elected from lower manhattan and nearby brooklyn his most well-known previous work was as lead counsel for the house democrats in the first Trump impeachment. Congressman-elect, welcome back to WNYC, and congratulations to you. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. It's great to be here again. And your real win in your district, I think it's fair to say, was in the primary, that very competitive 10th district primary with so many prominent Democrats in that race, uh, because no Republican would be competitive there. So no mystery there for you in the November election. But how does it feel to be called congressman-elect? It feels good. And mostly it, it feels like, a, you know, a significant responsibility and a, a great privilege to be able to represent New York City. Um, as I've traveled around since the primary through the district, it is quite clear that there are a lot of people that are hurting and in serious need in our city. There are significant problems related to housing, related to mental health, related to crime, related to transportation, you name it. And so uh, I am certainly humbled as I go in there recognizing the obligations and responsibility that I carry with me going down to Washington. You happen to be here on the first business day since another special counsel was named 
to investigate Donald Trump again, this time over the classified documents and January 6th cases. With your background in doing that sort of thing, as I said, representing uh, House Democrats in the first Trump impeachment, do you support that move by Attorney General Garland? Look, I, I don't think he had to do it. I think those investigations have been ongoing for quite some time, and Merrick Garland was in part nominated and confirmed because he is apolitical. But I think in keeping with his desire to uh, to take any potential appearance of politicization out of the process, he went ahead and did it. I don't think it will have a, a material impact on those investigations because the same prosecutors who are doing the day-to-day investigating will continue to work on them. It'll just give an extra step of remove from the Biden administration so that uh, there can be there is absolutely no basis for any complaints, which we will undoubtedly hear from Donald Trump and the Republicans that this is a politicized investigation. It is not. It started long before Donald Trump announced his run for presidency. And in fact, uh, Donald Trump is running for president, in my view, largely because it's his best criminal defense strategy. Do you think, though, that this just helps Trump politically because it gives him another grievance to rally Republicans around him on you saw what was happening in the media after the election when so many election deniers who Trump had endorsed lost um, and the Wall Street Journal was writing him off. Fox News was largely writing him off. A lot of the Republicans who are elected officials were writing him off as a presidential candidate and saying it's time to move on. Now a lot of those same people are rallying behind him and saying, oh, this politicizes the Justice Department, not depoliticizes it. So strategically, not that the attorney general is thinking in terms of politics, but for you as a Democratic Party politician now, um, does this actually help Trump unnecessarily? I have no idea why anyone would say that this is politicizing these investigations anymore. Perhaps it is the first move and therefore they're waiting to cry politicization because that is, of course, what their only defense is, even though it has no merit. But if there were no special counsel and Donald Trump were to be indicted by the Department of Justice, you could be you can be sure that he would cry, well, this is just the Biden administration's effort to remove me from the ballot. So they're just moving up the time frame on that argument to the special counsel, but it has no, it would have no merit down the road, and it has even less merit uh, or plausibility right now. It makes no sense to me. Do you happen to know Jack Smith, by the way, the guy who was named as special counsel, whose um, most recent claim to fame seems to be uh, prosecuting war crimes at The Hague against uh, Serbian leaders um, from, uh, from the war crimes allegedly committed by them. Do you, do you happen to know Jack Smith from your time as, uh, you know, in the law? I do not know him personally, but I know him by reputation, which is a sterling reputation, someone who is no-nonsense, completely apolitical, And I think his most relevant experience to this case was not the war crimes tribunal, but rather when he headed up the public integrity section of the Department of Justice for five years, I believe it was 2010 to 2015. 
he's a lifelong prosecutor. Uh, I think he's a dogged prosecutor. And I think, you know, perhaps most importantly for this situation, he will uh, conduct these investigations with no political influence and without fear or favor. And he'll follow the facts and the law, which is all we can hope that any prosecutor does in this country that is based on the rule of law. You ran, I think it's fair to say, in the Democratic primary. That was your main victory, largely on your ability to counter Trump and go after Trump and that experience that you had as lead counsel to the House Democrats in the first impeachment. But that doesn't make law or policy or put food on people's plates or tame inflation. So what kinds of policy priorities do you expect to focus on and what committees would you ideally like to join? Well, Brian, I I think um, in some ways my campaign foreshadowed not only what happened in the November election, but what we're already seeing from the House Republicans, whose first moves once they uh, established that they are going to win the majority is to announce broad, overreaching, unfounded investigations into Joe Biden's family, into the investigators, into the FBI, Uh, The list goes on and including uh, potentially impeaching either uh, Secretary Mayorkas or even Joe Biden because they disagree with policies. So that is going to be front and center from the Republican agenda when they're in the majority. And I look forward to being there to be a bulwark against those overreaching and uh, baseless uh, uh, investigations and using my experience to make sure that the facts come out. And to that end, I I do hope to be on some of the investigative committees um, to be able to use the skills and experience I have from 10 years as a prosecutor and then leading the impeachment investigation. And I think both of those experiences will be valuable in showing the American people that these are completely politicized, bogus investigations that are designed just to help Donald Trump's campaign in 2024 and nothing else. So you expect one of your main roles in Congress, it sounds like, in the Democratic minority, as it will be, um, to play defense against investigations that the Republican majority will launch. Maybe that's how we should expect to see your name in the news in the next two years but not so much on policy having to do with inflation, policy having to do with crime, policy having to do with other things? Oh, no, I I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And certainly, you know, I hope to be put in a position where I can use my skills and experience to push back on these investigations. But I will be dogged in representing the underserved communities in my district in particular, um, in using, you know, using whatever uh, abilities that we have in the minority to bring accountability, to bring transparency, and to try to improve uh, some of the, the really pressing issues that we have in New York City and in this district. Um, I'll be a, a strong advocate for more housing, better housing, improved housing. Uh, I will certainly be trying to focus on reducing crime in the city, which is clearly a, a significant problem that uh, everybody recognizes. And, you know, as Democrats uh, in the aftermath of this most recent election, I think what is clear is that we are the party of ideas and solutions and the Republicans are the party of fear and hate. 
and the radicalization of young people to commit these heinous hate crimes, uh, like we saw this past weekend in Colorado Springs, like we saw in Buffalo, like we've seen uh, all over the country over the last decade, uh, is just yet another example of why we need to be promoting gun safety. We need to be expanding the rights, individual rights of all Americans. Uh, and I'll be working day and night to, uh, to try to do that. You know, the Democratic Party did lose seats in the House, as obviously you know, and especially in New York, in some districts pretty close to yours. Why do you think that was? Well, I'm not exactly sure, Brian. I think we need to do a real significant uh, after-action analysis uh, to figure out what did go wrong for Democrats in New York, especially when so much went right for Democrats around the rest of the country. Um, we are the outlier. New York is. Uh, when you look at Pennsylvania and Michigan and uh, other states on the, in the western part of the country where Democrats uh, way overachieved expectations. So um, we're going to have to do, I think, as a Democratic Party in New York, a full evaluation and analysis of why we were so different. And we're going to have to course correct and make sure that we solve for the problems that are uncovered uh, from this past cycle and make sure that it doesn't happen again and make sure that the New Yorkers recognize that we really are, the Democratic Party is the party of ideas and results and solutions, and that if people want things to improve, uh, we're the ones who can do it. Dan Goldman, newly elected from New York's 10th Congressional District, covering lower Manhattan and parts of nearby Brooklyn. Thanks for coming on with us. Good luck over these two years. We look forward to having you on as they proceed. Thank you very much, Brian. Great to be with you as always. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.